The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome to another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am, once again, the namesake. Happy to have you with us here for this 10th episode of our second season. Hard to believe we're that far along with this high school football season already. We started this in the early part of August, and here we are, closing in on mid-October as the season's winding on. Of course, this is a podcast about high school football in the mid-Ohio Valley, and we're happy to have you with us once again this week. Let's go ahead and get things going with Parkersburg South. The Patriots are 6-0. and They battle adversity and their toughest road test of the season, a very good Huntington squad, and they go into their bye week in good shape after the 30-21 to win against Huntington. And for Parkersburg South, they did it on a night where they didn't score score 40 or more points. They didn't thrash people. They didn't play with a running clock in the fourth quarter. They had to make defensive stops. They had to rely on that defense. They had to get momentum in a game where they didn't always have the momentum, unlike the last several weeks. And they had to play field position. They had to win smart football. And they made big plays. They stayed within themselves. Huntington was an aggressive opponent. That's a team that wanted to get them out of their heads. They wanted to taunt a little bit. They wanted to get them to talk smack. They wanted to get Parkersburg South to draw that 15-yard penalty, and the Patriots just wouldn't do it. They wouldn't take that stupid penalty. The Patriots held their ground. They made the sportsmanlike decision time after time after time on a night where it would have been a really easy thing for them not to have done. The Patriots had lots of issues with the officiating, and as an observer, I also had some issues with the officiating, and that's not even as Parker's Rick South's radio broadcaster, just as a neutral observer, I had issues with the way that game was officiated. I won't go into those too much, because I don't think we should rip officials more than we really have to, but at the same time, it wasn't the best officiated game I've ever seen, let's say that. But Parkersburg South managed to adjust to that. They persevered overall. They kept a cool head on a night where it would have been the easiest thing in the world to not do. So Parkersburg South comes in that bye week in good shape. And don't look ahead for this Parkersburg South team. They've got some new expectations now because people didn't know what to expect out of this Patriots team earlier this year. The new head coach, Nathan Tanner, they didn't know him. They didn't know what kind of style he would play. They didn't know how a lot of these new pieces would fit in. Tanner's been able to recruit from other athletic programs and get players that had played other sports. And it's gone extremely well because some of the bigger contributors are guys like Jeff Tucker off the basketball team, Braxton Amos off the wrestling team. Go back to basketball for guys like Lana Francisco and Jake Hawk. And there's more that I'm probably forgetting. Guys that play big parts on other sports teams and really are taking on football for the first time in a while, maybe the first time ever, and they're making big contributions on this team. So you didn't have that big expectation coming into the season, and now you do because not only are you 6-0 at this point, but you beat a pretty good team to get to 6-0. Huntington's record is not indicative at all of how good they are. That's a 3-2 Huntington team that's probably one of the 5-10 to best teams in the state. Looking at the schedule in the back part of the season, and Parkersburg South has a road game at Morgantown and then a home game with Greenbrier East. Those, based on the way that South has played, those opponents have played, those could likely be wins. But then you got Wheeling Park on the road and then PHS where anything could happen. So you hate to chalk 8-0 and up to get to that point, but let's say they are 8-0. Those last two are not gimmies. The road is there to 10-0 if Parkersburg South is able to make it happen. The path is set and it's easy to see how it could happen. But there's a lot that has to happen between now and then. So keep that even keel about Parkersburg South, but they are definitely for real, and they proved as much after the win against Huntington. Williamstown rolled to their fifth straight win of the season. 
They defeated St. Mary's 35-0. Bit of a wounded team. The Blue Devils did not have quarterback Brandon Boron, but Jason Clayton stepped in and by all accounts played pretty well. I like the St. Mary's game plan. I don't always like St. Mary's game plans when they play for big games. It tends to be a thing that St. Mary's does a lot in some big sports is that they overthink a game plan in big games. I've known Jody Moat a long time, love Jody Moat, but that for a long time, let's be honest, has been a staple of the Jody Moat team. Overthinking big games. The Blue Devils wanted to put the pressure on quarterback Braden Modisett. They wanted to make him step up and win the game, and that's what he did. He threw three touchdown passes, and they also got a nice game out of Eric Brown, too, who's developing into a really nice receiving threat, and a guy that Terry Smith trusted to do a lot of things. Brown got a 86-yard touchdown pass the game. He ran for a score. I know Ty Moore, the Williamstown running back, only got 38 yards on 16 carries. According to the newspaper, he had a bit of a neck issue in that game, but Brown stepped up, and the only reason that he had to step up is because Moore was injured. Jarrett Frazier out for the year with a leg issue. Donathan Taylor didn't even come back to play at Williamstown. So they always seem to find somebody else to step up and get the job done. That's what they do. That's what the Yellow Jackets do. And injured doesn't matter. They continue to find ways to win football games. Their 35 to nothing win against St. Mary's is an impressive one, all things considered. Looking at where these teams go from here, Williamstown has a Warren team. They're 4-2. and two. That's an improving Warren team under new head coach Matt Kimes. That's not the Warren of the last few years where you, you basically just chalk up the win there. That's going to be a bit of a tougher game than it might have been in previous years for the Yellow Jackets, but still one that they should be able to win. And I think the onus is on Warren to step up and play their best game of the year. But St. Mary's comes in at a precarious spot in their season. They're halfway home. Their bye week has already passed. At three and two, they've got two games that you have to win. You've got you've got to beat Ward County on the road. You gotta beat Magnolia at home. Ward County is this week. We'll touch on that here later on. But Jason Hickman's squad has competed this year. They're better than they have been, but they're maybe a year away from being the contender that Hickman has had when he was at Wark County in his first stint, and Magnolia is just having a dreadful season, and I don't know that they're going to win a game this year, to be honest. They're going to be lucky just to finish the season. They've got people leaving the team left and right. It's not a good situation there. I'm not really sure what steps in to fix that, so if they're able to field a team, they'll play at St. Mary's, and that's a game St. Mary's badly needs to have on their schedule and, and get a win somehow, get the points from a win, because they finish with a home game against South South Harrison, a road game at Ravenswood, and a home game against Tyler Consolidated. South Harrison's been up this year a little bit better than I think a lot of people expected, and Tyler Consolidated is going to be competing for something, too. That one could be a game with huge playoff implications. So for St. Mary's, they've really got to take care of business these next two weeks, and if that means figuring out who's going to be quarterback, you got Brandon Boron that was hurt and missed last week's game. Do you like Jason Clayton enough to keep him there? Are you a better team with Jason Clayton there? Is Brandon Boron healthy, and is he the guy? Jody Moats, a loyal guy, sometimes loyal to a fault, and whether or not Clayton is the better guy for that team, I think you're probably going to see Brennan Boron get that job back when he's ready. Unfortunately, the downside of loyalty is that you don't always play the people that are the ones that will give your team the best chance to win. And that's not a knock on anybody involved in this situation, but there have been situations in St. Mary's past where that has been the way that this team has been managed. So we'll see how they deal with this at this critical juncture of the season, 3-2. and two. Uh, You're at a big pivot point here. You absolutely have to have these next two games, because if you don't have these next two games, I'm not sure that you have a shot at the playoffs, to be quite honest. Not with South Harrison looming, and probably not with Tyler Consolidated either. So you got to get these wins when you can't for St. 
St. Mary's. Six wins, very much attainable for the St. Mary's squad with where they are. Five wins, which might get you in, still attainable, although St. Mary's doesn't have a quality win really to their name this year, other than two wins against double-A opponents. So that's really all the Blue Devils have going for them right now. So they need to pile up wins, and they need quantity over quality because the quality isn't there yet, and it may not be there this season for them. Williamstown is on the upward trend. St. Mary's has work to do to get there, but it's still attainable for the Blue Devils. Huge, huge win for Parkersburg Catholic over Frontier. They're going to get the points from a lot of Frontier wins for that one because Frontier's 5-1, and one, and they stand to continue to win because they don't have anybody on the rest of their schedule that's an above 500 team. The Crusaders defeated Frontier 36-33. Parkersburg Catholic racked up 332 total yards of offense in that one. The go-ahead score came on Jeb Boyce's 60-yard touchdown pass play to Ethan Lang with three minutes to play in the ball game. And I wouldn't put that one so much as a must-win for Parkersburg Catholic, but that was one they very badly needed to have against a 5-win Frontier Cougar squad. Now, if you're Parkersburg Catholic, uh, you get some breathing room on a really tough schedule. Parkersburg Catholic had Notre Dame on their schedule this year. Of course, Notre Dame dropped football, but they replaced Notre Dame with Pendleton County. So the schedule's not easy from here on out necessarily for Parkersburg Catholic. We'll have Calhoun County on the road this week. Then they go to Pendleton County and make that big trip. Then they come home for Williamstown before hosting Webster. And Webster's been a back-and-forth team this year. Webster's got a chance to step up and do some big things. So now at 4-2, and two, if you're Lance Binninger, you really only have to get a couple of those wins. If you win Calhoun and win Webster, you can lose the other two and go 6-4 and four and probably get into the playoffs. So a much-needed win against Frontier. And I really liken this win for Parkersburg Catholic to the win against Ritchie last year. Even though that win against Ritchie County was in Week 2, that was a win against a team that you knew was going to step up and win some games themselves, so you're going to get all the points from those wins. And for Frontier, they're going to get wins. It's not inconceivable that Frontier finishes 9-1 and this year, and if you're Parkersburg Catholic, a win against a 9-1 and team looks pretty darn good. And even if they go 8-2, and that's still a good win, and that might be a valuable enough win to get into the playoffs. So if you can't get quality, get quantity. But if you can't get quantity, make sure that quality is there. And that's what Parkersburg Catholic did with their win against Frontier. Maybe the most impressive win this week from anybody in this area. And that's even including Parkersburg South going 6-0. and That's a major, major win for Parkersburg Catholic. So watch out for them. They're confident. Jeb Boyce was quoted in the paper, and I really like what he had to say. I'm going to read it directly. Frontier coming in at 5-0. They already have momentum. We're coming off two wins in a row, and there was no excuse for that start. This win woke us up, and we're starting to go. So when your senior leader publicly says we're awake and we're ready to go now. I think it's time to keep an eye out for Parkersburg Catholic. Notice has been served in this area as much as it needs to be. Frontier needs a bounce back win. There's a good chance they get it against Caldwell next week. But still, Monroe Central at 3-3, three and three, River at 3-3. Three and three. Those are the only 500 teams remaining on Frontier's schedule. No one currently has a winning record with four games to go. So... Though River won't be easy, this team can go 9-1, and 8-2 and two at the worst likely, and that should put them in a good spot for a chance to go to the playoffs. How about Tyler Consolidated scoring 70 for a second time this season? They made it above 500 with enough defense to get the win. They defeated Webster County 70-31 to in a game where Webster went back and forth early on. Mark Rutgers put this team on his back again, 274 yards on 18 carries. Three of his 18 carries went to the end zone. He also caught a touchdown pass, threw a touchdown pass in the game, and continues to spark this team offensively. Gage Huff in a perfect 8 of 8 throwing the ball for Tyler Consolidated. They're beginning to click. 70-31 to 31 win over Webster County. And I'll be honest, when they fell to 0-2, a lot of people were saying they're going to be a playoff team. Don't worry about them. And I don't think I was right there with them to, for that, to be honest. I needed to see more before I really thought this was a playoff team. Well, you know what? I think they're certainly in the mix now, and I definitely 
at 3-2. and two. I have my eye on this Tyler Consolidated team. We mentioned them against St. Mary's. They've got that showdown at the end of the season against the Blue Devils, so that's something for them to keep an eye on as they wind into their second half. But a really tough stretch here in the next two weeks. Buffalo and Williamstown, both with really good records, but both of them at home. So a chance for Tyler Consolidated to pick off one of those two. I think they're in if they get one of those two. However, they still have Magnolia and Valley to come after that. So you have two that you think are going to be winnable, two that you think are going to be tough, and then a toss-up against St. Mary's toward the end of the year. So I don't know. That's a a, a fun second-half battle to watch as well as uh, Tyler Consolidated winds on. But I think uh, if they can get that defense just keep doing a little bit each week, they can be a playoff team. Marietta couldn't get out of an early hole in a loss at Cambridge. Should be a bounce back, though, because Marietta plays Magnolia on the road. Marietta fell behind 21-0 in half and then 28-0 most of the way into the third quarter before they finally got a score. And that's a Cambridge team that was just 2-3 and three coming in. So, And the record might not have been indicative of how good they are, but if you're Jason Shub's squad with some tough games lo- looming against New Philly and against Dover, you got to pick up wins where you can get them. This seemed to be a, a game where I think they probably thought they had a chance. Even though it was on the road, it was tough, but that's the kind of win you got to go get if you're Marietta. A nice win for Ritchie County after the loss to Dobridge County. A bounce back. They defeated Ravenswood 41-13. The Rebels with 425 total yards of offense. Ethan Hunt threw a couple touchdown passes to Gus Morrison. Garrett Owens with three touchdown runs. Trey Moss with a touchdown run. So Rick Hunt's club continues to roll. They're now 4-1 with a 41-13 win against Ravenswood. They've got a tough road test this week against South Harrison. And Peyton said he turned the ball over eight times in a 19-6 loss to Cameron. An extremely frustrating game had to beat to sit there and watch that one if you're a Peyton City fan. To turn it over eight times and only lose by 12, though, I think that's more telling on Cameron than it is on Peyton City. Zach Easley's club continues to try new things. Some of them work, some of them not working. they got a couple wins, but this is not one of them. You've got to learn ball control better than turning it over eight times. We'll see if they can turn things around. Watch high school football live stream to wherever you are. Don't miss the Moran Construction Game of the Week on 1455 Sports. Log on to 1455media.com slash live. That's the word 14 and the number 55 for great coverage of the area's biggest games. This week, the Magnolia Blue Eagles host the Marietta Tigers. Kickoff from Alumni Field at Bill Stewart Stadium in New Martinsville is set for 7 p.m. Friday. Log on to 1455media.com slash live. That's the word 14 and the number 55.com slash live. It's the Moran Construction Game of the Week on 1455 Sports. Stay connected with us on Facebook, like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's take a look at this week's poll question. We asked you, if you were a parent, would you accept it if your child received less playing time, even if it benefited the team as a whole? Why or why not? If you were a parent, would you accept it if your child received less playing time, even if it benefited the team as a whole? Why or why not? Answer choices were yes, we're team players, and no, let my kid play. And 94% of people in this 36-vote poll, 94%, I think, which was all but two, said yes, we're team players, and 6% said no, let my kid play. And I saw some things on social media about all the things that coaches do, and and these are memes, maybe you've seen them share, memes or, or, or or social media, I guess, photos or stories or, or shared posts or whatnot that basically talk about everything that a coach does. To some players, the coach is more than a coach. To some players, it's somebody that loans them a couple dollars when they need to have money for food. It's somebody that is more of a parent to the player than the parent themselves. But a coach wears a lot of different hats. The idea of the post was that 
maybe lay off the coach when they don't make a decision based on what you think should be the right play or what you think should be the starting lineup. So I understand that from time to time, not every student athlete feels they've been dealt with fairly or is dealt with fairly. I'm not going to vouch for 100% of coaches. There probably are coaches that do some really unfair things out there. That's nothing that you really know about until you see the program at an intimately close level. And it's really hard to determine whether or not that's happening because parents have kind of a one-sided view of things kids have a one-sided view of things. There are very few neutral observers that are close enough to the situation to know whether or not a situation is fair. I think part of this playing time dilemma is understanding that when you're engaged in a team activity, there are not a lot of people that make the decisions about who's going to play, how much they're going to play, and so on and so forth, and it's not divvied up equitably. This isn't upward soccer. This is high school football. There are people that want to keep doing these jobs, coaches notably, and if they don't win enough, they won't be doing these jobs very much, or there'll be pressure for them to step down. So they want to put the best product out there because they owe it to a lot of people to put the best product out there. They owe it to the school. They owe it to their community. They're making decisions based on that, and hopefully only that. Again, I'm not to say that somebody's not influenced because uh, it's someone's kid that they know or a coach's kid or a donor or a booster's kid. We'd like to think that they don't influence decisions, but they probably do from time to time uh, as far as who plays. But I think if you're going to let your student-athlete play any or participate in any extracurricular activity, I think one of the big things you need to discuss with them before they get involved with this, especially a team sport, is participation. Uh, They have to understand that there are different roles and different responsibilities of a coach and that there are different roles and responsibilities within the team. And you need to make sure that your student-athlete knows and understands this and understands that playing time may not be divvied up equitably. And as a parent, I would argue that you need to also understand that that might be more okay with your kid than you realize. I think a lot of people want their kid to play or they feel like they have to gripe and complain about the playing time that their kid receives because they want to see their kid out there more than their kid is out there. But if their kid is fine with that role, then leave things alone. Parents sometimes meddle and try to fix something that's not broken. If their student athlete is enjoying the camaraderie of the locker room, the atmosphere of the team, the brotherhood or sisterhood that that involves, if it's a girl sport, if that is satisfying enough to make that a good experience, then by all means, leave that alone and understand that your kid might not play a whole lot, but your kid's having fun and your kid's enjoying the activity. And at the very least, your kid is understanding that this is how life works. Unfortunately, things in life aren't divvied out the same and aren't divvied out equitably. Sometimes you have to work really hard and not get a lot of return. And sometimes those who don't seem to work as hard get a lot more return because they're talented or more favored by the particular situation. Unfortunately, life's like that. Life's not fair. So that's a lesson that's important to understand early on. And it's important to understand that in the context of dealing with things around other people. But as long as the student-athlete understands that and as long as the parent understands that playing time is not necessarily corollary to your student-athlete having a good time, then I think we can be at a good place with this. There weren't any comments on this shared on my status, but I looked at Craig Dutton who shared this post. And I want to ask you this. If you see this post or this poll question shared on another page, like it on the original page so that I can see it and we can talk about it on the air. Otherwise... Your feedback isn't really necessarily getting on the show. We can't continue the discussion. Darlene Darty writes, That's a hard one because when Brian played football at PHS, he got to play two times only because the other player faced injury. Did he get to play?
complain. That's unfortunately the truth of it. Sometimes uh, you're forced into action because of an injury, and then that's the only way you get to see action. Brian Darty, I assume that's mother-son here. That's why I voted team player. I struggled with it, but I understood the coach's decision to go with the players they wanted. And I like Brian's point there, because I don't think a lot of parents understand that their kid may understand the decision why a certain player is playing or is not playing, and that the parents know that that kid is okay with that. Uh, Matthew Wright says, at the high school varsity level, the best plays. To me, it's simple. Everything is done. Taught to win at the highest level in high school until the varsity level. Everyone should be given chances to show their capabilities. You have to put in the work to get better. I think Matthew brings a good point here with, you have to play the best at the varsity level, uh, but I think the JV level and the freshman level and everything else, every, anything goes. I mean, we get so caught up with scores that we want to go to a ball game and see who won. I think people get too caught up with a score during JV and freshman games. If you lose a tight game in JV, that shouldn't be the end of the world. That You're developing. What did you learn from the game? I think that's the more important thing. I think the only real value of having a scoreboard at all is so you can practice end-of-game situations. So that's just me. But either way, participation is the name of the game, and you get that in high school sports. And, and maybe in high school football you get the best representation of a total team effort because that's usually the largest number of people you'll have on a team. In a baseball team, you may have 12 to 15 the same with some of your sports like volleyball, basketball, not quite the roster of football. You know, football, you can have 50 or 60 players or more on, on a roster fighting for varsity playing time. So because of that, we tend to see this play out the best uh, in football, the idea of not everybody may get the same playing time. So either way, an interesting scenario there. I'm glad people voted honestly. I, I hope people voted honestly. I, I think that there are situations that might be tougher to accept if you were in those situations. We don't like to think we're team players, but let's be honest, not all of us are team players. This week's poll question, do message boards help or hurt high school football? Why or why not? Do message boards help or hurt high school football? Why or why not? Yes, they bring fans together or no, too much negativity. That poll will run until Monday, so vote in that one and we'll have a discussion about that this week. One of the unfortunate stories that's happened this week in the Mid-Ohio Valley uh, in an area that's a little extended from what we usually talk about, Federal Hawking has had to cancel their 2019 football season because of lack of participation. Uh, They were down to 13 players and they didn't want to run 13 players out there and risk injury to those that were still healthy uh, just because they would be putting them in positions that they were not equipped to play. And that's a smart, responsible decision, a tough decision. No school likes to make that decision because of what that means to the community. You're canceling a senior night. You're canceling opportunities to play and participate for not only student athletes, but cheerleaders and band members and boosters and community members. That's a big opportunity to make money for your athletic department because win, lose, or draw, you're going to get some people come out to those games, and uh, that's not going to happen in Federal Hawking High School this year. But one argument that I cannot stand when people make, and this is a good opportunity because I saw a few of these posts on social media, is when when the story came out in, in the media that Federal Hawking was canceling the season, I would see people say, I wonder if there would be this much uproar if it was an art or if it was banned that was canceled. Yes, there likely would be some uproar or some fear about it, but let's be honest, no, there would not be the same level of it because, like I said, high school football brings so many of those other things together. Uh, You're not bringing out hundreds of people for an art show. It's just not what people want to see or consume. That's kind of the way the world is. No one's forcing you to watch any particular thing when you go home and watch television that night. We have the freedom of choice in this country, so more people have chosen football than some of those other items. That's not to say that those are unworthy. Uh, There are a lot of good sports and there are a lot of good activities that are very worthy of your time and your attention. We don't cover all of them the same way for a lot of reasons. We know that there's not the 
desire for the coverage of some of those things. We're a money-making entity too, and we have to make money on our programming and on the things that we offer as, as a media company. And I'm speaking on behalf of Seven Ranges Radio here, but the newspaper, the television news, they all operate the same way. Uh, we have decisions we have to make, and as a radio station, uh, we're a music station. You know, It's not like the television stations that have time to fill with sports every day or the newspaper that has space to fill with sports every day. In radio, we don't have to do anything with high school sports, but we choose to do that because it's programming that our audience wants. We would be upset too if a band decided to fold because of low numbers or if funding caused the art class at such and such high school or middle school to be canceled. That would not be ideal. I think a school should offer a wide variety of art offerings for a wide variety of interests. But I think uh, you have to cater to the largest numbers for one. But it's also because football in a lot of ways is a bellwether for the community. It's a symbol of community pride in there as well. So it touches more people and reaches more people and makes more of an impact than if an art class is canceled, not because it's more important than that art class, but because it's seen as more of a symbol of where that high school is as far as participation goes and maybe what people are doing nowadays and why aren't people playing and, and so on and so forth. And not that drops in art classes or music or other extracurriculars aren't alarming, but I think that's why high school does tend to get a little bit more of attention, but that's not to say that there's not uproar over all of it. So that's something I saw this week, wanted to address, and thought this was a way to do it. Our games to watch this week, PHS and George Washington in a matchup of three and two football teams. I hate to say that's a play-in for the playoffs, but you're going to see a recurring theme here as far as these games go. That's a game that both of those teams very badly need to have. Same with Ritchie and South Harrison. Same with Buffalo and Tyler Consolidated. Those are battles between six teams in these three games. PHS, George Washington, Ritchie County, South Harrison, and Buffalo and Tyler Consolidated. Both those teams need to win very badly. That should make for compelling football, and that should make for interesting scoreboard watching if you're watching another game if you're at one game and you want to see the scores from the other game that'll be interesting to follow throughout the night who wins and who makes that big step forward toward the playoffs is in every one of those situations they've at least played five and uh, maybe six games there in a couple of those spots so they're on the back half of the season needing to pick up wins warren williamstown is another one that's warren as a johnny come lately matt kimes has the warren warriors at four and two new head coach who was an assistant at south last year and terry smith's williamstown yellow jackets have won five straight it's not the Warren Warriors of the last several years that have been pretty woeful, but I'm not sure that they're ready to take a challenge like Williamstown. We'll see where they stand, though. It'll be a good measuring stick for Warren, and we'll see if Williamstown can continue to roll. The games of the week on Seven Rangers Radio, Light Rock 93R has St. Mary's and Ward County, and WXCR has Buffalo and Tyler Consolidated. Of course, V96.9 has a bye this week because Parkersburg South is off, so I'll be doing something else other than calling it a football game on Friday. If you like us, rate us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, like the Facebook page if you haven't already and vote in our polls and comment on those. We appreciate your feedback. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud as well. Thank you for your time this week. My name is Eric Little. I will talk to you next week with another edition of the show. And until then, thank you for listening to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode and thanks for listening.